you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. So since I cannot record, we just have the framing and go. Right, it's all of them. So it's so all, they're all here. It's under in the file under eight thirty one seventeen the Orville. So no no intro nothing just no we can do we, okay. I mean it's a I think I'm doing it right now if you're recording. Uh, <laughs> no, I love these time traveling episodes. Don't you though? I do. I absolutely do. I think I am. Yeah. I noticed that Justin was over my shoulder. You he were was. staring at he him. Was, he, he desperately wanted to talk about injustice. He I was think. lured by video games. Yes. I know. I, I, you know, and candy. I should have left out like skills <laughs> or something. Uh, anyway, hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. And sitting across from me at the Brett Cave. Ooh, this is two episodes in a row where we're actually in the same room. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. Uh, this is a special episode. The reason we're able to do two episodes in a row in the same room is because... We're staying in the same <laughs> room. We're staying in the same room from the last episode. I literally have not moved. Uh, and, and How are you, How are you, audience? <laughs> are you still in the it's, same it's, room? It's been a week for you. Uh, or maybe not. not. Ooh, I don't know. If they binge us. No. Are, we, are we like Netflix? Are we, Sometimes people, people, is that people what binge people us. Do? We heard that before. I, I have heard that. I've heard people who go back all the way I to the I miss that guy, shows. and I totally forget who that was that was like a, you know, a conservative farmer. And he was listening to us on the tractor. On the tractor. You know, yeah. and I love that. And, you know, and I apologize. It's been, I think it's been somewhat hard to not let political views sort of tinge in, but I don't want it to be political. We try not to, we try not to hate. I we want to be, to. I want to be somewhat aspirational in our geekiness, and that's appropriate for tonight. We've got a special episode uh, because we have, uh, as I mentioned, there's still a lot of interviews left over from uh, left over. But I, I just banked a in lot from, from Comic Con in the can. Uh, and uh, so I do want to say, if you enjoyed tonight's ep- this episode, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And uh, hey, if you want to kick a little something to us to help support, you know, you can go to PayPal and donate at editor at fanboyplanet.com, or go through the Think Geek app, buy a little something for yourself. Go to the Amazon app, buy a little something from your, for yourself. We will get a small honorarium. Get yourself some. But great. tonight, when I was talking about aspirational sci-fi, I guess there's a news portion tonight, which is that on September 10th, an upcoming, that's not too far away, 2017, because if you're binging like a year from now, <laughs> uh, then maybe. But uh, And I hope this show is still on a year from now because I... I think we talked about it a couple of months ago when Fox. Oh, you mean Orville, not or, us. Orville, well, that too. Uh, you know that that Fox uh, released a trailer for Seth MacFarlane's The Orville, and it looked like kind of a Galaxy Quest slash Star Trek parody, but with some ser- with a little bit of serious elements. I think that- you need, when you talk about Star Trek, you should not use the word slash. Oh, that's true. That's where yeah. the word comes from. Yeah. Uh, for the term comes from, I shouldn't say. The word slash existed before it became it a did. sci-fi term, uh, but anyway, uh, a Star Trek and or Galaxy Quest kind of parody, and to some extent it may be. But I had the chance at Comic Con to sit down at round tables with creators and cast of of the Orville, and they changed my mind. They absolutely changed my mind about this show, and I got really excited after spending an hour talking with other Good. other people as well about the viewpoint of it. And I already knew, and it was kind of funny because you'll, you'll hear it, that you know there are people involved in this show that did work on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not a question for me, but someone asked Brennan Braga that, like, what, you know, what do you think about, why are you right for the Orville? And he says, because I ran Star Trek for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was clear that person, I don't know who it was, did not know that that was his pedigree. And he sat down and I'm like, 
I'm sitting, that's what Brandon Braga looks like. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, Penny Gerald Johnson uh, was on Deep Space Nine, and now she's uh, she's in this. So we've got a series of interviews. I did transcribe one a few weeks ago just because I felt it was very important with Seth MacFarlane, but it's included at the end of, of tonight's episode because it's just fun uh, to hear one of the best-looking men on television. He sounds great, too. He sounds great, and I think, uh, you know, anybody... How does he who, smell? Delicious. It smells like Starbucks, actually. He had a, had a cup of Starbucks. <laughs> but I, I swear to God, you know, it, it, it's... And I, I try not to take the Lord's name in vain on this podcast, but it was sort of this, I'm snapping pictures. This is what I do. I sit at the round table, and we're having the conversation. I got the recorder, and I'm snapping with my phone, and he just senses it, and he looks, and it's like... And I posted it on Facebook, and I think I put it on the interview. Yes. It's like... He made me look good as a photographer because it was just this amazingly handsome shot. I'm like, I hate you. Yeah. Like you, you, you can just turn on and become one of the best looking men around. And just go, hey, with a cup of coffee. When I turn to a camera with a cup of coffee, I spill it on my shirt. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a little drool. He's like, you know, just like I'm like, no cameras, please. Uh, <laughs> you know. He's great. So anyway, the the first group group I have uh, on this is the producers writers Brandon Braga, David Goodman, and Jason Clark. These are the brain trusts who collaborate with Seth MacFarlane on what I think is going to be a very surprisingly deep show. So here we are: Brandon Braga, David Goodman, and Jason Clark. Could you state your name? Yes. Uh, Brandon Braga, executive producer writer. David Goodman, executive producer, writer. Jason Clark, just an executive producer, <laughs> not a writer. <laughs> Seth had a vision to do a show he's been wanting to do his entire, entire life, and he, he brought together people he has worked with before, I think largely, as he's happened to do who he thought could best help him bring it to life. And he did, and we did. It, it was uh, an attempt in terms of uh, Brandon and, and me. I mean, Seth wanted a writing staff that was half comedy writers and half drama writers. And so Brandon and I are sort of at the head of each of those categories, and we did that. We have a half, our, on the writing side, um, a staff, writing staff split down the middle, and it's been a really interesting experience working with that variety of writers. It's, it's, been, it's been wonderful to sit and watch them discover the tone and to build a world that can support it, where you can have all the jeopardy and drama that you would have in traditional science fiction, and at the same time have characters that uh, you really are leaning into to see what conflicts are going to happen, and, and uh, it's, it's been very... Um, very exciting to watch the tone evolve and develop because there's real jeopardy in the show and there's real heart in the show and there's real characters in the show that you have fun with but not at the, the expense of not laughing now and again and you do yeah we heard some crazy uh, crazy stuff that's happening with some of the uh, aliens uh, what was your kind of favorite thing to create with the aliens wild things that go on I think that um, for me I think that Getting, uh, getting to sort of build this crew and create stories that use these great actors and these great characters that Seth created to, to do stories that both tell a story, have some kind of underlying meaning, because almost all of our episodes are saying something, but then also writing jokes, like the getting laughs. It's a great mix. It's a hard job, but it's a great, it's very rewarding getting to the end of that process. It's really exciting, too, because each show is its own little story. So even though there's this great character memory that follows through and you kind of want to know who they are and where they're coming from, you can drop in and watch a whole story evolve. And, you know, those kind of world-building things, I mean, just reading what they did and the first time looking at it, the first reaction is, how are we going to do this? And then what is that alien culture you're talking about? What does it look like? What do those people look like? And we've been blessed by an incredible list of artists, uh, you know, from makeup effects, visual effects people, all of whom are really at the forefront of the industry, and who've been able to kind of help deliver that, uh, you know, encasement of the of the storytelling, and so we can go to these worlds. Yeah. 
that was really Seth's decision. I mean, I Seth, again, part of his vision was to give people the kind of show that he kind of, he grew up loving, which is a show where you can turn it on one week, you're not going to know what you're going to see, it's not going to be a lawyer show or a, a doctor show. It, our, our show, because of the science fiction world we're in, you can have a trial episode one week, you can have a flat-out space adventure the next week, you can have a full-on comedy the next week, and that gives this audience the sense of variety and surprise and delight when they turn it on, and that's really where he started. I mean, he wanted that's what he wanted, and that's what we're hoping we're doing. How, oh, oh, how did John Favreau get into Seth well, called him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we reached out to him again and again, and then Seth called him. And he's a, he's a huge fan of... Uh, I mean, they have a mutual uh, respect for each other's work. And obviously, uh, of the genre, uh, Favreau is a huge fan. So when he got involved, it was just a uh, an incredible kind of lift for all of us to have a filmmaker of his... Uh, uh, you know, help us define this tone and, fi- and find our way on it. So... Was, it was a great collaboration and we made so. Well, here's I mean, there's a lot of diehard Star Trek fans who work on this show. So. <laughs> And they love it. Yeah, They're they like so it. excited. Yeah. I, I mean, I've worked on Star Trek for, uh, for 15 years. So I'm here to tell you you like Star Trek, you like this show. I've written three books. He's written three <laughs> Star Trek books. So, so that answers your question, though. I don't even think it's Star Trek. I think genre fans are. Star Trek or whatever they're very I found they're they know when something's been done like so you you have to keep it fresh or if you're doing something similar it needs to be put through a fresh lens which is what's great about this show it's got the Seth MacFarlane lens so you we do some things you kinds of stories you may have seen but never in this way can we expect surprises from people for the Star Trek I mean cameos or participation from actors from I think that for us the the goal is best actor for the role so we're never looking oh let's get Patrick Stewart to show up on the show it's more who's the best actor for this role so if if by some chance we've had an actor on the show Penny Penny who's one of our leads was on Star Trek Deep Space Nine but but Penny's who we wanted for this part and what had nothing to do with wanting to do an homage to Star Trek so it's about but there have been a, there were three four probably four sequel series there were so many sequel series of Star Trek Almost every actor in Hollywood's been on Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to avoid Between that in the movies. It's impossible to avoid yeah. Star Trek actors because exactly you can't avoid them. So and, it's like, but and interestingly enough, each one lives in its own world and has its own definition. And so you know, for for me, just participating in something that's kind of aspirational science fiction as opposed to you know, kind of dark and 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 and. and dystopic kind of world yeah. it's really fun uh, to do that and I, I think Star Trek is part of a larger uh, you know uh, group of, of, of stories that were told in this kind of aspirational science fiction world that are worth uh, bringing up so we live in a larger world than that but definitely you know it's uh, it's exciting to do something that's original but at the same time you know is side by side with such an incredible franchise and as Brian said I mean the, the Seth MacFarlane lens means that the interaction of these characters is original you haven't seen this kind of interaction between characters on this kind of show before and that's what makes it really special we were talking about with the actors over there uh, why not well, it's, it's certainly been a tradition 
on Star Trek and in a show that depicts civilization 400 years in the future, one would hope <laughs> that everyone is represented. I want Star Trek. Yeah, of course. It's always something you keep in mind. Yeah. Outside of Star Trek, is there, are there any science fiction films particularly or even works of novels or, or graphic novels and things that you've discussed that you've been influenced by in the past five or ten years that have really been around for you that you've enjoyed? Last five or ten years. No. Gotta go back further for him. <laughs> no, the last five or ten years is what threw that question off there. Things like Arrival that have a poignancy about. Oh, it was great. Great filmmaking. Great. You know, I think that for us, you know, our, our touchstones are the things that we grew up watching. So, Twilight Zone, Star Trek, um, and everything else. I mean, you know, but also sitcoms. And, you know, so there's a. Those, that's where our heads go in the movies. You know, Brandon is a huge horror fan. He's got encyclopedic knowledge of horror movies. And in our episodes where we get scary, he brings that out. And, you know, so we're, we're using everything, we, every tool we have. He had a good run, though. Yeah. What are your favorite horror movies? Oh, man, you put me on the spot like that. I'm sorry, I she did. I'm just, I just don't want you to drop it. Oh, God. I, that, <laughs> you weren't ready for that question. No, I wasn't ready for that. There's, there's, there are so many. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you want to list something people maybe don't appreciate. I thought that the John Carpenter's The Thing was uh, a masterpiece. And, by the way, a masterpiece of practical makeup effects, which is another ethos in the show. We're trying to do things practically whenever possible, whether that's building a huge model of the world and shooting it that way, or amazing uh, makeup effects. Uh, yeah, we've Howard had Berger. Like, there, it's it's practical, and it's tangible. Because it just feels more, it feels tangible, it feels more real somehow to have a, an alien with elaborate makeup on in the room versus a CGI character walking. I mean, really, you know it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's super exciting to work with these, you know, literally Academy Award-winning artists who don't get the chance to build monsters. So here you go and say, we're 400 years in the future, what would uh, a, 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 a race of this, uh, you know, alien race look like? And they get to do that, so you have them at their best. And, you know, we shot models with Rob Legato, who uh, had worked with John Favreau and won the Academy Award for Jungle Book as an effects artist. He built the model, and he shot that model because, you know, he shot models on, you know, when, in the beginning of his career and loves the texture and the reality of that. And particularly when you mix that then with CG, it's hard to see where the line is. And it's hard to say that that is not real. So our ambition is to create something that feels tangible and feels real, but feels as powerful as those, you know, that environment should. Maybe you can influence other shows. Pull Rick Baker back out of retirement. <laughs> exactly. Well, Howard Berger is a huge fan of Rick's. And, and, yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. So, you know, that's, I, I, I love hearing the way this is all deconstructed. And of course, as I'm recording this, Rick has yet to hear the way. <laughs> it's hard to come. So that was cool. This <laughs> is really a time traveling episode. I, which I don't think they're doing a time traveling episode yet, but they will. Um, I'm sure they will. Uh, the next group that sat down were, were uh, very fun actors who are all aliens. So, I, you know, I admit at this point, I don't really know the characters. I've seen the trailer. I go, yeah. I get this. Yeah. So I recognized everybody that I, that I talked to. I just didn't know, like, what's the impact, import of each character. So three of the crew members, Chad L. Coleman, Mark Jackson, and Peter Macon. I just have to say I do miss Therese very much. Oh. <laughs> Gone but not forgotten. No, yeah. that's for sure. Are you shitting me? <laughs> like, no, I mean, I love science fiction, and uh, it's normal. Like, it's like people going to work. It's like going to work on a spaceship and happen to be an alien. I mean, it's, it's pretty, so... But, the you know, the mixture of, of, of comedy uh, uh, and, and drama, like, those situations doesn't always end well. Uh, and it's perilous. There are things that happen that uh, and like things don't wrap up to be like this 
neat Hollywood ending. But you know, like the, I think my favorite, my, my my most honest reaction to the script was like the the balance between the the, the drama like and and the humor. You know, so that's that's and it, that's that's why it's grounded. Nice to hear another Brit out yes. here. <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard. A, um, for me, I mean, I read a lot of sci-fi um, as well as Peter. And uh, for me, when I read the script for the first time, what I loved was the originality of it. Um, it's stuff that I hadn't seen in movies. You know, I, I've gone to see a lot of sci-fi movies in the last 10 years and been really disappointed time and time again because it, it, they're not original, whereas these scripts really are. Um, and that, that, that's very reassuring to see. And I think the fans, the audience, will really buy into that because it's refreshing. And every week you can tune in for a new inventive story, a new adventure, um, and be taken somewhere quite, quite extraordinary. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> you read it and you laugh. When I, you know, when you read it and you laugh out loud, you know, you get excited. It's like, wow, it's, I just had that experience, and I want somebody else to have that experience. And you know, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, man, this, oh God, easy, easy, yeah. man. The guy, incredibly accessible. Very passionate, very clear about what he what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, when he directs you, it gives you another sense of uh, confidence because he's so clear about what he wants, and he's also not short on praise. And he loves it. He lets you know he loves it. So yeah. it's um, and you know, push the envelope. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, like we're gonna show you some stuff like that you haven't seen before. Seen. Like your character, I saw the first episode and I, I loved it. And oh. like your your character, single sex species. Yes. What did you think about the Hold way you got on. <laughs> Well, I read the you know the pilot. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, he only he only pees once a year. Okay, that's good. that's just the tip of the tippity tip tip of the iceberg. Right. And what yeah, happens it really to this? Is. And and that's what's really cool. Um, and, and I marvel. I was like, this came from like basically one person's mind. Yeah. Who has been passionate about science fiction uh, in the same way that I've been passionate? We're about the same age, and so like our, our references for shows, and like we always play this game of like quoting a movie, you know. So there's like you never feel I never have felt more like uh, where the nerds have come into <laughs> our own. You know what I mean? Like it's like we are here and we are taking it over. Um, so and like. I mean, they're not necessarily quotes. This is like what you were saying today. This is like an homage or an ode to Star Trek. It's not a spoof. Like, I, we get that a lot. And, like, a spoof is just like, okay, we're going to sort of make fun of this and, like, if we're going to be cheeky. I mean, but it's like we're doing satire, like, um, and sort of picking up maybe where the Star Trek franchise left off or just, like, an offering of the future, you know, where it's not, like, apocalyptic we figured some stuff out. We're not necessarily using oil anymore. Um, you know, homophobia and like all these things are out of the because we're dealing with aliens and people. And the great thing is, is that it normalizes. You know, the relationships are deep. I mean, they're like we. You know, we have they're they're multi layered and they're just like they're no different. If you were to close your eyes and watch and listen to the show, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was full of aliens because it's the same, you know, um, issues that we all tackle in present day and like politically and like so all that stuff is there. So I mean it's I think but at the same time yeah. but at the you same have, time you have yeah. not seen aliens. Dear, yeah. exactly. They are you pretty. have not seen it. But we, and the great, Aliens. The great thing about the show is we're going back like to sort this. of those fantastic sci-fi 80s movies where you have these real alien creatures. I mean, from the creature workshop kind of thing, you know. And we have a fantastic um, makeup. And Howard Berger. And designer Oscar winner. Maybe, yeah, Oscar um, winner. Howard maybe. Berger working yeah. on the show. And he's creating these monsters that are just... Yeah. I say monsters. That's bad of me. Yeah. No, it's not. Much. I mean, but it's not much. I am an alien in the yeah, show. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. But it's but like other aliens. We're not CGI. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like this. Like my prosthetics. It takes an hour and a half to four hours. You know, to get into. And I'm gonna live in that. And it's and it's so easy once you're in it because you can't help but be that. I mean, and they're so detail oriented. They're, they're true, true, amazing artists. Um, and they have to do a lot of. 
applications. Not, it's not just like one or two aliens. Like sometimes we have like 50, 60 like background and they're different kinds of aliens and like they're working through like, uh, you know, with budgetary constraints, you like tend to have like humanoid type aliens, but they're trying to break through that as well, you know. So I think that, um, you know, back to what we said, like the spoof is like, it kind of sells it short because we're not only is it a, like a love letter in a sense to like Star Trek and to Space 1999 and to like all these, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, 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 the baton is in our hands to, to, and it's an hour long, you know I mean? You could just have joke, 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 joke if it was a half an hour, but like with an hour, that doesn't fly. You've got to have some real grounded relationships and, you know, and, and it's um, episodic. So it's, you know, you could watch episode two and then watch episode 12 and, you know what I mean? It's not in that sort of same... In the age of... You know, watching. binge watching uh, series that's quite rare as, yeah. as Seth pointed out you know and it's quite special that you know and heavens knows it, years from now when it's repeating on some channel somewhere you could be watching it and go oh it's that one where oh yeah. I like yeah I like that one. Oh yeah he's still there he's still alive yeah. that's cool you know but that's and that's the challenge right to, to you know hopefully you know for for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. The challenge, not unlike what Seth is doing with Family Guy, I mean, he's been doing that for 20 years, and he's, the pro, so that means prolific, right? And they're passionate, and it's still good. There's, I mean, like, and what it takes to not have duds. You know, it's always at least as funny as it always has been. It never, and that's a really difficult thing to sustain. So that's the challenge of, like, coming up with new material and not, you know, getting bored with it ourselves and, Pushing the envelope, pushing, the, and like that's, I think it's a, it's an infinite well of, of material, especially what we have to, to respond to in, in our day to day as human beings on Earth. And it's uh, going to be a good laugh as well. You know, you can tune in for a good chuckle. There's so. some stuff in it that's just wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It is. It, <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, it's with the laughter, like last when you like. It's not easy. We don't. We get it done. We don't. Yeah, we don't. You go take two. Well, I'm prosperous. I mean, talking about longevity, you're talking about family guy, but what is, in a sense, a Star Trek phenomenon that has made it so successful to come here to our I mean, shows that we still remember. I think it's being told a story. I think it's getting a really great adventure wrapped up in an hour every week and knowing you're going to get that. Yeah. Tune in next time. I can't wait to see what happens next. And it could be anything, because the whole universe is our oyster. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was kind of fun. And uh, a little more of the Star Trek pedigree with Penny Johnson Gerald, who uh, I said earlier was on Deep Space Nine. Uh, And I remember seeing her uh, on that show. Who'd she play? That I can't tell you, because, you know... Out of the sequel series, Deep Space Nine is my favorite, but I still haven't watched that much of it. You know, it was like it had a big cast. It did. I mean, a lot of recurring I, characters. And that I were think in that's every what I think that's what I liked about that yeah. series. You know, that it felt it felt like the western, which I know it was trying to be the yeah. frontier town, um, and and that was cool. Uh, so, actor uh, Halston Sage. And a very attractive young woman who I do know what her alien plays because someone brought it up. Uh, what her alien does is she's the security officer because she comes from a planet of super heavy gravity. So when uh. she joins the analog for the Federation, she's super strong. So, But she's a very tiny slip of a woman and uh, very charming, but, you know, very tiny. So I, I'm sure, sure says the joke. She's compressed. She's travel size. She uh, she may be little but fierce. Uh, so to get Shakespearean on you. So Halston Sage and Penny Johnson Gerald and her dog. Your character's super strong. Is that the deal? Yes. Oh, my God. I love you for saying that. Yes. <laughs> So I play um, Alara Katan, who is the chief security officer aboard the Orville. And even though she's the youngest and the most inexperienced um, lieutenant, she comes from a planet where the gravitational pull is higher than it is on Earth. So she has super strength. Nice. <laughs> it is so cool. I, t- I tell like the set and the producers every day, I'm like, you've made me so much cooler than I've ever been in my life. Oh, Aww. you are cool. Um, I think you're cool. No. But yeah, so it's uh, it's very fun. It's a very fun role to to have and, and uh, protect all these guys. 
How was it working on a starship? What's oh, your experience? Let me tell you, working on this is, it's different. You know, we have a double-decker. And so um, in between working, you can actually treat it as though it's a track, you know, and run around, get your little exercise in. I know you walk all the time, and Adrian yeah. does the same thing. We're always trying to do that. But uh, working on the ship is... I think it's amazing. I thought, are we going to always stay on the ship? But we don't. We don't always stay on the ship. We, we venture out and we go to different planets and we experience, experience, uh, experience um, different um, uh, species. And they are phenomenal species, too. I saw the first Oh, my gosh. I go to work just to see what else they've created that, you know. We were doing a scene the other day. It was a creature that was unbelievable. I thought I will not do breakfast before I see creatures from now on. <laughs> um, well, I think I just fell in love with the story instantly. You know, it was unlike anything I'd ever read, just in the sense that it is in the sci-fi genre, but there's so much human. I'm sorry, I have to too. <laughs> I think it's the best. Um, you know, I think even though we are a sci-fi show, there's so much humanity to the storylines and the characters, and they're so well-developed, of course, because Seth is a genius, that when I first read the script, I was immediately drawn in because I cared about these people, and even though we're in the future, you know, we're still dealing with, you know, social, cultural issues that are very relevant to right now. You're still dealing with relationship problems. Like, it doesn't necessarily go away, but it also see, makes the future a very relatable place. Like, I feel like I'd want to live. <laughs> no, I, I think the very first uh, day we, we did our table read with uh, John Favreau and uh, Seth, uh, we were talking about concept and all, and it's something that he said that I will never forget, and I think it's been my through line for being able to do this project since then, and, and that is... We are people. We just happen to be in outer space 400 years from today. And that is key in knowing that we, we must play the reality so that the viewer can understand that they can be invited and they could be one of us as well. And they could definitely relate. And as Halston said, you know, we're still dealing with relationships, we're dealing with cultural um, uh, issues, we're political issues. I mean, we're dealing with a lot of stuff on the Orville, but it's sprinkled with so, well, I like Seth's word better. It's garnished with this lovely touches of funny. And um, I think that's going to be what the audience enjoys because we are saying what you are thinking yeah. and we're doing what you just want to do you just can't do yeah so we, that's a, yeah. That's a yes yeah. and that exactly we're able to laugh at ourselves yeah. that's a good thing Wow, you just hit the nail on the head there. Kind of answered your own question. Yeah, I, I was like, that all makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. it does. You know, that, the show, it's, just, it's, a, it's a comfortable version of the future. It's, it's, you know, people still fall in love in the future. You know, there's new technology, sure, but you still care about people and, and those who you surround yourself with. And, I, I think, think oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, that's it. Um, I, I just wanted to share that, you know, we've been asked questions, if you could go to another planet since you're in the future, whatever, what planet would it be? And I have to tell you, I would come back right here I love on Earth because what we're doing on the Orville, you so appreciate the mistakes and the beautiful things that we are doing that make sense, but the things that make absolutely no sense. And in the future, hopefully, we're able to uh, circumvent those same mistakes. I would come back here and see what we have done for our Personally, I would love a holiday. That's just me. Oh. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Bing, bing. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Well, I would be remiss and I would be just plain stupid if I don't say it's the one I was in. So Deep Space Nine, of course, it's Deep Space Nine and, and the favorite, and I actually have a favorite one on that, and that was the one that Avery Brooks directed when we went back in time to Harlem. And that's kind of like what I was saying. I would come back to Earth, but we went back to Harlem during the time of racial tensions and things like that, and we dealt with that. And um, that's what you can do. Your imagination it's unlimited. It truly is. You can play actors. We play the what if game. What if so and so? Truly, we are really doing the what if game on the orb. What if? And I think we're doing it successfully. And hopefully that the audience will come in and join us and just have a great ride. Oh, this this show is my favorite. I'm I'm. So in love with this show and the oh. cast. That's thank a good you. way to end. Oh, yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if that's the first interview I've ever conducted with a dog, but uh, I think that's. Uh, <laughs> I think he was quiet through most of it. Um, then, really, kind of a fun thing is like. An actor who I think is, again, underrated, uh, <clears throat> which is uh, Scott Grimes, because I had even forgotten. He was in uh, Band of Brothers and oh. was great in that series, and everybody kind of forgets he was there. And he he's very, you know, kind of, I'm not cynical, that's not right, but he's very, you know, he's very honest about why he actually knows, like, there's the money because he needs to eat, you know, he needs to just have a job. So, uh, even though he's been acting since professionally, since he was like 12, uh, you know, it, it's each job he's grateful for. So I, uh, one is a guy I've watched grow up literally from, you know, I, I think the movie was munchies. I, I, I know I said it right. It was a horror film, sci-fi yeah. horror film in the eighties that I saw at the man national. Um, and, I may be wrong that it's Munchies. Uh, I think I am wrong. Munchies was a bad one. This was uh, Critters. That's it. Oh, okay. Critters. That was a really good movie. And he and I talked afterwards because I just came up with said, I you know, I, I did like, I've watched you grow up. You know, I, I loved Critters way back when. He goes, you know, they're going to remake that? <laughs> I said, really? But anyway, uh, so Scott Grimes and Jay Lee, uh, who I got to say, this is a guy I, I didn't know, but after I posted a photo, he let me take a selfie with him, and I posted on Instagram, he immediately followed Family Planet. So, Jay Lee, you uh-huh. are my friend. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, sitting down with two actors that I, I think are just gonna, a reason I'm going to love this show. I, uh, everything about the show I think I'm going to like, but, but there's definitely a reason here. Actors Scott Grimes and Jay Lee. You guys got the best table here. Good <laughs> you, right? yeah. Stay a while. Oh, let's go out there and chat. Yeah. So can you guys talk about your characters a little bit and sort of, you know, being a part of this world, how great that is? Yeah. yeah. I play Gordon Malloy, who's uh, Ed's best friend, Seth MacFarlane's best friend. Um, probably, sh- probably shouldn't, yeah, probably shouldn't have the job, but he's a really good pilot. Probably should. He's a little inappropriate. Drinks a little. Um, like I said, very much like Scott Grimes. Uh, and but it's you know he, he's given his friend uh, one last chance to prove that he, he can do it. And uh, I'm doing it. As of right, I think again, Scott Grimes, like he's given my career one last thing. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm good. Look, all the waters. Uh, I played John Lamar, Navigator. Uh, and I was a part of the ship, the Orville, when he gets the ship. So when Seth comes onto the ship, there's a little bit of me sort of sizing him up, like who's this guy getting his first ship. But then he very quickly sort of gained my respect. And once you have John's respect, John's all the way in, and he'll ride or die for yeah. you. And we get we, we have a little like camaraderie because we're right up there in the front of the bridge, so we can talk about we're people like without them hearing us. Well, you know what it's yeah. like. It's like when when you have a sleepover at your friend's house. And your parents are always like, go to bed, stop making noise. And we're just up joking and making noise every day on set. That's true. Yeah. That's... Money. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> appreciate your pain. Yeah. <laughs> insurance. Yeah, and that the insurance. 
Are you a Star Wars fan or Star Trek fan growing up? Both I was Star. I was more Star Wars. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan of the movies. My right. dad showed me all the movies, but not so much the TV show. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars and even like Forbidden Planet and all those old sci-fi movies. My dad used to show me those. And, okay. Uh, that's so yeah. What about you? I um I was more Star Trek, mm. but. You know, people who are Trekkies, I respect, so I could never call myself a Trekkie. So, I, you know, I would watch it, but I, I would never say I was a Trekkie because there are people who were like, episode 20, at 2 minutes and 55 seconds, he was in his left hand, and, <laughs> and you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to... But yeah. what drew me to it was, to be honest with you, just the, the phone call or the drink I had with Seth once at a party, and he's like, would you be interested in... Uh, Again, he puts me on some level that I shouldn't be. You know, Scott, will you ever do television again? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I kind of felt that I knew what this show was going to be like. I didn't know it would be so well written as far as the drama and, and the commentary, social and political stuff that it's dealing with. And it's dealing with it, man. It's really beautiful yeah. stuff. But I knew that what the humor was because I'd done American Dad so long. So I knew that the cadence of the jokes uh, and the realness of how he writes and this, the mump, the, the stuttering and the stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it was the funniest thing I ever... And I remember reading it going, I hope that I don't ruin what you hear when you're reading it just right. to yourself. Because it's, it's hilarious. It's mine to fuck up, you know? Yeah. Uh, and luckily, we, we, we had kind of weirdly auditioned together, even though it was written for both of us. Still have to go through the, the process. And we got to do it together. And uh, it just, with Seth on your side. Uh, I had a, and we're sitting here now. I had a cool video that deleted, but it was of Scott before we went in for our, our test. He was pacing and going over the words. And, but I, I knew Seth really wanted him. And yeah. he knew Seth wanted me, so it kind of worked out. Um, but I think to answer your question, too, the thing that made me go, wait, what, was the fact that it was one hour. Because, again, I knew Seth, you know, a long time. I wrote for the Cleveland show. So, I, I, you know, I, I knew that half-hour structure. And I also knew Seth's film side. So for him to create this new one-hour dramedy, anytime somebody can re-sort of, not invent, but push something further that they've been doing, I admire it. Because I always want to see people keep pushing and keep going and trying new things because it would be very easy for him to sit back and just like he's done it yeah. you know he's done it and he's done amazing and he could just ride off to the sunset but what does he do he's like I'm going to do a one hour drama and I'm going to be the lead of it and we'll see <laughs> and I love yeah. it I love it I mean we were talking about when, when that would happen we were thinking season three maybe in some like simulator kind of way right but to just jump that shark so immediately, just because people can sing on the show. But we are singing, like so. We don't. Did you see? But have you read this? Because that's you're very close to what you've done already. I'm sorry. I've, 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 I've sung on the show just like at the helm, singing like I think it was Midnight Special. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we were in a shuttle, Seth and I. I'm not giving it anyway. And I'm, I'm literally he's he's nervous, and I'm like, let the midnight. Oh yeah, and he's like, "Can you please turn that down?" And like, it, so yes, we're singing, but little splashes here and there. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys. Thanks for being so nice. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And then finally, the man, the myth, and Adrian Palicki. No, I mean that's you. You want to talk about here? It's like when I sat down at the table. Here's how magnetic Seth MacFarlane is. I took a lot of photos. Not one solo photo of Adrian Palicki, who I thought, you know, you know, she played Bobby Chase on Agents of Shield. Yeah. That I thought I would be like trying to surreptitiously. Well, that sounds creepy, but you know, that I would get a couple solo shot pictures of Adrian Palicki. I couldn't. I couldn't take my, my camera <laughs> away from Seth MacFarlane. There are a couple of two shots, but never a solo shot of her because that's how magnetic Seth MacFarlane is. Um, I want to be his friend. Can you tell? Anyway, so uh, kind of a fun conversation, and I felt bad for her because I would have. I would love to have a conversation with Adrian Palicki because I think she's been in some really interesting roles. Oh yeah. Uh, but the reality is, when you go in these roundtable situations where it's kind of rushed anyway. But you're with Seth MacFarlane. This guy is writing the show. He mm-hmm. created the show. Um, he's done so much prior to it, too. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that it's just kind of. Uh, but I will say there's a proud moment here. 
is this doesn't happen often and it's an odd thing to be proud of, but this is the one time in my life I think it, I am proud. I got Seth MacFarlane to swear at me. Oh, my. <laughs> and you will hear this at the end. Uh, and it's in, it's transcribed on fanboyplanet.com. And after he left, the table went, that was really funny. You know, <laughs> it was just like, it was good. Uh, so here it is. The reason why we're here for the Orville, Seth MacFarlane and Adrian Palicki. <laughs> Two ex-husbands in a row. What the hell is that about? I don't know. Seth, you have like Makes a good drama. fan in Japan like because of Ted. And uh, can we expect like a fuzzy something on the water barrel? <laughs> it's all about the fuzzy something, huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll, like, we'll come up with something fuzzy. How about that? Yeah, like a fuzzy round <laughs> thing. Yeah, something small and fuzzy. We'll work on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is your fascination with the Star Trek? I mean, what was that thing that drove well, there's, there's 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 two elements. There, there's sh- shows like Star Trek, like the Twilight Zone. Um, I mean, most shows of that type, uh, up until recently, were they, they they sought to do a lot of heavy lifting in their storytelling. They, they sought to tell allegorical stories. They they sought to to be relevant in a way that sci-fi is able to. It's able to comment on things without directly going at them because it all seems so make-believe. Um, and at the same time, uh, look, it's the aspirational, optimistic side of sci-fi that, that I was always drawn to. And, and that I don't think that's really existed for the past 20 years. There's been a wide-open space that has yet to be filled. We're in the age of the Hunger Games where it's, 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 it's very dark and dystopian. And I think it's time for another one of these shows that kind of go to the opposite end of the spectrum as in okay here's a blueprint for what we can do if we get things right and the comedy already created a huge range of eclectic characters in the show with these characters which was the character which was landed quickest and which one took the longest development to be really happy you know I gotta say every and, and, and it's it has a lot to do with this cast every single character on the show very quickly suggested storylines that are just about that character and for eight characters on a show to, and to have each one of them be someone who can carry their own hour when called upon is is a gift and uh, you know it, you, you kind of hope you know when you have a cast that is has captured lightning in a bottle and I think I mean, this is how it feels to me. Like this is this is the most extraordinary group of people I've ever worked with. Um, to take nothing away from everyone else I've ever worked with, but, <laughs> but it's, it's 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 really an amazing bunch, and and what they're doing feels very new. That first table read, pilot. Uh, what are your memories and recollections of that day? You were all together for the first time. Hungover. No, it was it's just, true. Yeah, it probably <laughs> true. was true. Um, no, we'd all kind of spent time together before the first table read, and at that point it kind of felt like old hat, like we were just, we were friends, you know? And a lot of us have known each other for a while, I've known you for a while, and Jay for a while, you've known and Scott forever, and it just kind of already, like it just immediately felt like a family, really easy. Um, so going into the pilot, it kind of felt like we were going into our second season in a weird way that never, ever, ever happens, or it hasn't in my experience. So that's really special. So then, my last question is it necessarily just horrible? Okay. Okay. Just Question for you: We reached out to our fans, our viewers, and a lot of them were asking that obviously you perform music and a lot of your projects. Any plans to possibly do Broadway? That is like ten people asking that question. We ask them this question. No, no immediate plans. I boy, you know, it would have to be a show that I. It'd have to be something like Carousel. Okay. That's to be a show that I love, but, but but you know, I mean, look, it's it's Carousel, yeah, yeah, okay. fuck yeah, <laughs> fucking beautiful show, man. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's, music is always, I'll bring it back, music is always a part of, uh, of, of everything, a big part of everything I do. And, and, I mean, look, with the Orville, we've, we've got a 75-piece orchestra for every episode thus far, and, and it's going to make it feel like a movie. And, and we have great composers who are, who are really bringing something to the table. It's not just wallpaper. And so the, the music is always key. It's like, it's like another member of the cast. Anytime you want to do an episode, a musical episode of Orville? For, for this show, probably not. But, you know, you never, if we get desperate in season 10, who knows? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Last round to you, guys. All right, so there it is. Uh, the Orville premieres September 10th on Fox. Uh, I believe it's an 8 o'clock show, and I'm really looking forward to it because we also mentioned the pilot has, uh, weeks ago we mentioned, Victor Garber is in there in the pilot. I don't think he's going to be in the regular series, but he's at least in the pilot. Um, looking forward to this show mightily. And then uh, the next episode of Fanboy Planet podcast, we will still include an interview or perhaps two from... Uh, from Comic-Con. Comic-Con 2017. But already I'm, we've got some live ones potentially lined up too. People are, are interested in, in, in joining us for the silliness and the nerdistry. And I, I must trademark that word. Uh, so a regular. You know, you're talking about time travel. And I'm thinking, I'm actually, I haven't heard these yet. Everything that everyone yeah. who's listening has already heard, I haven't heard yet. But I'm still going to hear it before they do. Is that? blood coming out of your eye <laughs> it's seeping out of your headphones uh yeah so we'll have some interesting stuff in the weeks ahead and the next episode will be a little more whatever passes for normal for us so thanks for yes. listening and again if you have any questions comments compliments commentary criticism something we you wish we were exploring let us know right into editor at fanboyplanet.com or tweet us at fanboyplanet or follow us on our facebook page fanboy planet just don't walk behind us in the street mm, without saying hi yeah yeah because i get a little paranoid yeah yeah i do i i, I get a little skittish uh so anyway thanks a lot for listening and uh, i'm Derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good, good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.